This week on Labor History Today, we're proud and honored to bring you highlights from Saturday night's moving tribute to Richard Trumka, the fiery mine workers president who led his union to victory in the historic 1989 Pittston strike and went on to lead the AFL-CIO, serving as president from 2009 until his untimely death on August 5th, 2021. I knew Rich Trumka for 47 years. Mine Workers President Cecil Roberts. Our friendship and our relationship together grew strongly when we decided to run for international office and challenge incumbents, which El Pablo must know how difficult that is. And in our union, everybody has a vote. So that required Rich and myself and John Banavick and our team, known as the Why Not the Best team, to campaign together for about a year and a half. We both had similar backgrounds. His dad was a UMWA member for 50 years, and my dad was a UMWA member for 50 years. He grew up in a coal camp, and so did I, and I think he, he learned what it was, what it was to be a UMWA member and what it was to be a UMWA leader from his dad and the people he worked with as a very young man. That's what Rich Trump did. He had it in his blood. We won the Pittston strike. We were up late into New Year's Day in 1990. After 10 and a half months, that was an important point in time in the history of the labor movement. He loved UMWA and his membership. I nominated him every time he ran for office at the FLCO. I'm very thankful that Rich Trumka was my friend. I miss him dearly, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see each other again. Hi, brothers and sisters. I'm Rich Trumka, president of the FLCIO, and I'm also president emeritus of the UMWA. Proud third generation coal miner and a member of United Mine Workers Local 6290. No matter how much you try to intimidate us, no matter how hard you try to break us, working people are not going to give in or cave in or capitulate. We're not going to give in and we won't give up. We will prevail. One day longer, one day stronger, we're one. Here's the DC Labor Chorus. And to bring it all together, AFL-CIO President 
Liz Schuler. I just want to thank everyone who has joined us today to celebrate the life and legacy of our friend and leader, Rich Trumka. It brings me, and I hope all of us, some peace. And it is wonderful to be in community with all of you as we remember Rich and the incredible life he led. And it's hard to capture all the memories and how we feel about Rich in one single evening. And as Rich's secretary treasurer, I would often step in when he couldn't be someplace. And here I am. When he had something that he needed done, and it was one of those things sometimes that he really didn't want to do, he would point his finger at me and he would say, handle it, Roy, I'm Liz. I think most of the UMWA family know there was someone named Roy, and he was this guy who used to handle the tough stuff. And this is certainly tough. So much of who Rich was came from Cole. And so much of who he was can be seen in the story of Cole. And in looking at the potential of something that can seem unassuming at first glance, in taking that small bit of potential energy and turning it into a force to power the nation. That is how he saw working people, how he saw our movement. And he tapped that energy and created something incredible. Rich saw potential everywhere he looked. Potential to organize, potential to secure better contracts, write better laws. He saw the potential of working people to create a better, stronger economy. And, and he mined that potential at every turn. The story is legendary. His rise through the ranks of the UMWA how the Miners for Democracy came together to change the course of history in the UMWA. Rich served three terms as president of the UMWA and led the famed strike against the Pittston Coal Company, one of the most successful strikes in American history. And I cannot tell you how many people that I run into who say that strike changed their lives. Obviously, mine workers. I'm talking about people you would never expect. Young people who got in their cars and drove down to be in solidarity. It changed the trajectory of their careers being involved in that strike because they chose to go another path and work in the labor movement. He brought the UMWA back into the AFL-CIO, and at age 44, he was the youngest secretary treasurer elected at the Federation until he recruited a 39-year-old punk to run with him in 2009. That was me. <laughs> he dedicated 26 years of his life to the Federation. He served on President Obama's Economic Recovery Advisory Board, giving a voice to working people in the plans to pull the country out of the Great Recession. He built a capital strategies portfolio that leveraged the power of workers' capital on Wall Street and understood the rules of the economy were at the core of how we build fairness for ordinary people. The rules were broken, 
and Rich worked every day to fix them. I remember in 2019 when the USMCA, US-Mexico, the trade agreement, was being negotiated and the United States trade representative under then-President Trump was a former steel industry executive named Robert Lighthizer. Bob knew labor, he knew Rich. And Rich had persuaded him if we could write enforceable labor standards into the agreement and get rid of the sham company unions in Mexico, we could find a path forward. Bob used to walk across the White House lawn to Rich's office and at the height of the negotiations, I recall that I had a meeting scheduled with Rich in his office. And I came over at the appointed time, and it was like 5 p.m., and Bob was in Rich's office with the door closed. And I went to knock on the door because it was closed, and I heard this yelling coming out of the office. And that door is thick by the way, I don't know if you remember it for those of you who've been in the office. So I heard Rich's booming voice coming out of the office saying, Bob, that is bullshit and you know it. <laughs> so I crept away, but I thought as I was turning around walking back to my office, I am so proud of Rich Trumka to be our leader and fighting for us and fighting for better protections for workers up against powerful forces. And he wasn't giving an inch, and that was rich. And that's how we got this global model for worker protections in trade that we have today, that people talk about is now the model for trade agreements. And that's how I'll always remember him. Rich was never afraid of power. He walked right up to it, nose to nose, again and again. When he stood in front of you, you could tell how strong he was. You could feel the strength he had forged in the coal mines and how it burned through him. And you knew he was gonna be right out in front, standing up for all the people behind him, no matter what. Day to day, he faced so many challenges. Of course, he had to find ways to let off steam. He had a lot of hobbies, which I always loved because people in our movement, not a lot of people have hobbies. But he would build models. He, I remember him talking about painting. He would spend time with his grandkids and his family, of course. He would load shells in his man cave. He would do crossword puzzles. But at work, he would blow off steam by singing. And he was famous for this. And in the middle of high stakes meetings at the office, we'd have staff in the conference room and we'd be gathered around the conference table and sometimes he would just launch into a Motown tune or a Johnny Cash tune or Meatloaf. And we would all just feel lighter. And the weight of fighting for that next policy or worker protection, it just felt better when you were singing Burning Ring of Fire. <laughs> Rich was a true intellectual. And those of you who knew him well knew he was a student of history, especially Civil War history. 
And he was always reading these heavy nonfiction books, and of course on history, but also on politics or the economy or on race. Naomi Klein's Shock Doctrine, I don't know how many of you have a copy of that. He spread it around the labor movement. Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow. He became obsessed with racial disparities in our society and systemic racism and reading the new Jim Crow was the cap on his dedication to that issue. And I, I don't know how many people in the room have a copy of that book, but they got it from Rich Trumka. He wanted the labor movement to be, as he said, the tip of the spear in fighting racial injustice. Do you remember the speech he gave in 2008? That's right. And this was the early days of the internet, and Rich Trumka went viral. And it was a speech where he spoke truth to power at a union convention, calling out those who refused to support then-presidential candidate Barack Obama because of the color of his skin. And he said, there is no evil that has inflicted more pain and suffering than racism. And he felt that in his bones. We may not all have gotten our start in the coal mines, but we can all learn from the values that he forged in coal country. Solidarity, strength, family, fairness. That's who he was at his core. And we know his North Star was that working people need to challenge power with power. He knew, as we know, that there's nothing like the labor movement in the face of injustice. And there's nothing like a good union contract to care for your family. So let's all keep following that North Star and commit to mining our own energy and using it to carry out that vision in his honor. Thank you. So we're going to end tonight by telling the story of his most defining moments and hearing him in his own words. From his days on the Mine Safety Committee in his hometown of Nebuchadnezzar, Pennsylvania, to his presidency of the AFL-CIO, Richard Trumka's voice his rage against injustice, his sheer joy in battle, his certainty of victory, rallied working people in our darkest hours and pointed the American labor movement toward the future. My grandfathers went into the mine hungry. My father helped build our union and fought for our country. And together, with help from our union, my parents and I were able to earn the money to send to the college and the law school. As the youngest president in the history of the United Mine Workers, Richard Trumka learned a lesson he lived his whole life, that unions and democracy are one and the same. In 1989, after American workers had suffered a decade of defeat of lost strikes following PATCO, he changed the rules of the game at stake was the health care of nearly 2,000 Pittston retirees, widows, and minors with disabilities. 
protect American democracy, to win the right to organize for all workers. And in his last days, he worked hand in hand with President Joe Biden, passing legislation that saved health care and pensions for millions of workers. Richard Trumka's voice was silenced too soon, but he left us his vision of a labor movement as big as all the working people of the world. I see a worker standing and fighting. I honor and help that worker and find out everything I need to know later. In every workplace where workers are fighting for a voice on the job, Richard Trucker's soul goes marching on. From my first day working in the coal mine to my last day, as international president, I've always been in awe of the courage and the compassion and the unbreakable solidarity of my UMW brothers and sisters. Highlights from Saturday night's moving tribute to Richard Trumka, the fiery mine workers president who led his union to victory in the historic 1989 Pittston strike and went on to lead the AFL-CIO, serving as president from 2009 until his untimely death on August 5th, 2021. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. In 1981, the Los Angeles Dodgers dropped the first two games of the World Series to their rivals, the New York Yankees. The Dodgers would come roaring back, sweeping the next four games, and so close the curtain on one of the strangest seasons in baseball history. The strangeness of the season began on this day in labor history. This was the first day of a strike that would last until August 9th. Nearly a third of all games were canceled. The reason for the strike was free agency. The players had won the right to become free agents a year after their contracts ended. Before this change, owners could renew players' contracts year after year, effectively stopping players from testing their market value with other teams. Determined to reverse the gains won by the players' union, owners brought in Roy Graby as a negotiator. Graby had a tough reputation for representing management for General Electric and for Pan American World Airlines. He took that same hard-nosed approach to the baseball bargaining table. The owners wanted the right to receive a player of comparable value for any player lost to free agency. This would effectively discourage teams from signing free agents if they had to give up another valuable player in return. The players' union understood this was a tactic to undermine free agency. Many also saw it as an attempt to break the players' union. Sports Illustrated magazine declared it the walkout owners provoked. Finally, the two sides agreed to a compromise that kept the practice of free agency intact. In a controversial decision, baseball owners decided to split the season into two. The teams with the best records from each half of the strike-divided season went to the playoffs. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on the Twitters at Labor History in Two. That's it for this week's edition of Labor History Today. And if you're listening to this podcast, that means you love labor history as much as we do. Help folks find the show by liking it in your podcast app and 
pass it along. It's also really helpful if you leave a review. Thanks, as always, to Labor History and to a partnership between the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show, a labor-themed radio show out of Pennsylvania. Labor History Today is produced by the Metro Washington Council's Union City Radio and the Kalmanovitz Initiative for Labor and the Working Poor at Georgetown University. The Labor History Today team includes Ben Blake, Patrick Dixon, Leon Fink, Sherry Lincoln, Joe McCartan, Evan Papp, Jessica Pozak, and Alan Weirdak. For Labor History Today, this has been Chris Garlock. Thanks so much for listening. Keep making history and see you next time.